0: Vodka. 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 O'clock. Hey everyone, it's Amber Love, and you're listening to Vodka O'clock podcast from AmberUnmasked.com. And just to remind you that you can sponsor the show and the website for as little as a dollar per week um, by going over to Patreon, patreoncom Unmasked. and joining Vodka O'clock for the first time. Is uh, Taylor Esposito? Welcome to the show. Hi, right, thank you. I know you primarily as a comic book letterer, and so this is a really good time to get to know you better and get to know uh, your work, and um, really find out some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that maybe people who read comics don't even know about. All right,
1: cool. I'm down.
0: You're down. So um, let's talk about your your background for starters. Um, it just uh, you have a really long resume uh, with a lot of credits to DC comics and Marvel comics. And then you've got Indies in there too. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but it seems like there was even some, um, you know, like lack of a better word, like grunt work that you put in and, you know, your times at the, the bigger publishers. So what, what exactly were these production tasks for, for people who don't get their names splashed on the cover of a comic book?
1: Well, I mean, production, you know, can, a lot of things basically everything that happens from the time that the art comes in to the book goes out that's not handled by the artist or the colorist or letterer is production work so you know a file comes in and we have to crop it to size and make sure it's you know usable for the colorist that kind of thing um making sure things go to print properly so making sure that there's no um oversaturation with the inks things like that so basically a lot of technical stuff But it's all stuff that everyone kind of should know if they're doing their jobs, you know, so it's not Completely foreign. It's just most people never hear about it because Like you said, it's kind of grunt work
0: Was this something that uh, goes back to you you know, your education is the stuff that you already you knew or is this Specifically things that that come about once you're there at a Uh, publisher.
1: Yes, and no, I mean, you know so I, I went to school for graphic design um and you know my school wasn't really known for art but we had a couple professors who were like you know people who actually worked in the field in print and everything so I kind of had an idea already and then once I got out of college I started at Marvel and that's when I um started learning specifically how to do things for comic print production you know because it's not the same as magazines or books or all that stuff it's a little more complicated but, uh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's a lot of things you kind of learn on the job type of deal because you, you almost never deal with it until something goes wrong. Like, okay, now that I know how this works.
0: Okay. And then you have to figure it out. Yeah.
1: But luckily, you know, the most of the production staffs I've been on have had quite a few people. So someone's encountered it at one point or another. So it's not like, oh, no, I don't know what to do when this book goes out in 20 minutes. It's, someone will help you out.
0: So what was your first job then after school?
1: Um, well, not counting those grunt jobs, you know, like uh, working in a warehouse. Uh, I started at Marvel as one of their digital compositors for the, um, I guess what is now the Marvel Comics Unlimited. So, you know, setting up books for the web and, getting them ready for their guided views and all that.
0: Okay. So that's, that was some pretty um, groundbreaking stuff, you know, yeah. when that, when that was starting and stuff. And now it's like, you just n- need to expect it in a way. Yeah. <laughs> so I imagine there was a big learning curve. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there were times
1: working on that where it's like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't understand this. And then, you know, things would change because, you know, they were working out all the kinks. So, so, okay, here's something new I got to learn about.
0: <laughs> One of the things that I've heard about Marvel is that they have an incredibly wonderful internship program. So was that how you got in, or were you a direct hire? No,
1: actually, I, I tried interning there, but I, I never, I guess, I never came across anyone's radar. Um, when when they were just starting the digital stuff, uh, a friend of mine who was on staff at the time recommended me for the the job. It was just supposed to be a couple weeks. And, you know, after a while, a couple of weeks became a few months. And then I was just there.
0: And um, so you got to work on some pretty incredible titles over at Marvel. So let's talk about what your favorite jobs were at Marvel. And then I'll ask you about the same for DC because your DC credits are like two pages long. <laughs> well,
1: Marvel was kind of like. You know, because, like I said, I was a production guy, so it was never really the same thing twice. But we did each have, like, our own little tasks. Um, For example, before I left Marvel, I was doing all the production work on the covers for, like, the Spider-Man office. Uh, I believe the Deadpool books, things like that. So I got to work on some characters I actually enjoyed, you know, even if it wasn't anything directly related to the title it was just like you know put the logo on the cover or set up the credits and things like that but it was still fun to have my name on you know that pull team up and all that kind of stuff
0: it seems like it's a, a a pretty cool thing to um to just see it from that perspective um i don't know like did you read comics as a little kid um
1: i did i was big on comics um uh, when I was a little kid, um, you know, my, my father, my uncle, my cousin, we were all, like, into it. Uh, we each had our own Justice League character that we liked, so it was kind of weird in that way that everyone worked out to a different character. Um, and, you know, I was reading on and off. Uh, I ramped up big during, like, the death of Superman. I guess how old was I? About eight years old. I read Superman pretty religiously for a few years. Then it got too expensive and I laid off for a while, started picking up trades now and again. And then around the time I was finishing college and I was starting at Marvel, I picked up again. And that's when I was like, you know, checking out everything that was happening with the Avengers and all big big uh, events. I think it was around the time that Justice League Avengers was happening. So I kind of got back in as the nostalgia wave was kicking in a little bit.
0: Was the death of Superman really traumatic for you as an eight-year-old? Because I got to tell you, as a full-grown adult, the death of Captain America like brought me to tears. I mean,
1: it's hard to remember at this point. It's been you know twenty-something years.
0: It wasn't. It wasn't tragic enough that you recall it. <laughs> I mean,
1: because here's the thing: the first issue I read of the entire series was the final issue of the story. <laughs> so you know, like my father comes home with this magazine in a black bag, and he's like, "The death of Superman." I'm like, what? And, like, I'm just looking at it, you know, it's that issue that's all splash pages, every single page. So I'm just looking at how awesome this thing looks in terms of, wow, every page is just a huge action shot of Superman fighting this big brute. Um, But, you know, the last page with the, the gatefold where Lois is holding him and then he drops dead, like,
0: it, it got me a little
1: bit, you know. I, I had some tears. Okay. I just, uh, yeah, I can imagine,
0: like, you know what that would have done to me as a kid mm-hmm. um because you know i loved uh the cartoons i loved watching the justice league and spider and his amazing friends and i just can't imagine if a if a beloved character like if i saw if i saw that i mean i didn't have the comics as a kid mm-hmm. um and now everything is in movies so it's entirely a different a different thing yeah. Yeah. like you know the, the superman movie that we grew up with was you know, it was all about finding happy endings and stuff. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I mean, it's funny because I got got into a discussion with a friend of mine about that. I was like, that movie's great. I love it. It's, you know, classic Silver Age Superman. But it's from a time where Superman shows up in the fortress and he knows everything he needs to know and he's just instantly accepted, you know? It's like, for better, for worse, we don't live in that world anymore. So it's like, I understand why it's different now.
0: It, it is. I mean, just the, the material that we consume. I mean, you know, like Harry Potter was <laughs> exceptionally dark and depressing and felt, you know, at times felt very lonely. Um, it's just and it was so epic. Same thing with Lord of the Rings. I mean, obviously so epic and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's really different than the...
1: What's the thing that you know. everything needs to be epic? Nothing can just be, you know. Like as much as I like these movies and stuff, sometimes I just want something like kind of like Breakfast Club, where you just go in, you're given
0: two hours yeah, of characters,
1: <laughs> a, a plot. You get to the end, and that's the end of the story. You don't need to know anything else that happened before. That's going to happen after, you know.
0: Right, and now we can't even, you know, just enjoy that because in five years they'll just remake it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> This um yeah I just uh, was talking to people about the, the Fantastic Four reboot. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't sound good. Um,
1: I mean I'm willing to give anything a chance. You know I, I mean as long as you don't completely obliterate the point of the characters, I'll give it a shot.
0: Yeah that's but that's what I worry about because if you you know I don't whatever so if their suits aren't the same fine oh, yeah you know, yeah I mean, you have to expect that things are going to be changed for film and um. It's, you know, like you said, the characters need to at least embrace what they were, Mm -hmm. whatever color they are, whatever, you know, whatever gender they are. They have to somehow like really embrace what the characters have been. And, um, you know, I guess sometimes it's just changed too much. I mean, I, you know, I didn't understand why so many people hated the film versions of Storm Mm -hmm. until I started getting to know comic book fans of Storm. Yeah. You know, she really was like just um, not very relevant, no, just not important mm-hmm. in the movies. Um, so she could have been so much, so much more. And when you see fan films that are <laughs> done better, it's <laughs> a little like you know Hollywood. What did you? Well, do? it's funny because I
1: remember back to when like Batman Begins was coming out. Do you remember that like Alien Predator Batman short film that uh, was made like right before that movie came out?
0: No, I don't know about it. Was it was, like, an
1: eight-minute, like, I think it was, like, the director was just trying to make, like, a a sample to show Hollywood what he could do. So, it's, like, Batman suiting up. He finds the Joker, who escaped, and then all of a sudden, like, an alien shows up and is trying to kill him, and then Predators show up, and they're trying to kill him. So, it was just...
0: Oh it sounds, was it done with, like, action figures I don't or something? No, no, it okay. was,
1: like, actors and suits and stuff. I think the guy used to work for Stan Winston <laughs> Studios, so...
0: Uh Oh, well, there you go. So he had
1: access to this stuff, and it was kind of cool. And then, like, you know, Batman's in gray spandex with a cloth utility belt and all this stuff. And it looks cool. And I was like, oh, man, it'd be great if, like, when they make Batman Begins, he looks like this. But I understand why they didn't do it because, like, the guy was a huge, like, ripped in shape. But even wearing the spandex, he looked chubby in the suit. So I understand why they don't do that. But sometimes I still wish they did.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a a lot that people don't understand when it comes to costumes. Yeah, it,
1: it's not as easy as you think. Like, oh, just put a guy in spandex and it works.
0: Well, and it's and it always, you know, it's just so funny because in the comics, people draw those rippling abs and stuff, and it's like you really don't normally see that unless the suit is so insanely tight, exactly that you know, should they flex, they they bust it exactly, apart. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean. That's the thing. When when these things are being made, the concept being made is more about capturing a figure than real life. So, like, it, you know, it evolved over time where it's like, oh, it just is like this. But, you know, it, we're not applying the same logic to it that it would really have. Like, that's what I like about the old Jack Kirby Fantastic Four costumes. They look baggy and, like, you know.
0: Yeah, they had like actual wrinkled exactly. lines. Exactly, like
1: you can tell that these guys aren't wearing skin tight suits; they're wearing some kind of uniform that was made, and over time, it evolved into skin tight suits.
0: Yeah, that's actually um, something that I said to Kelly Williams mm-hmm. because he posts his sketches every day, and he he'd, he'd posted, uh, you know, just one of his random pictures of Wonder Woman. And same thing, like he draws where you can see fabric, and you can see that like the armor is three dimensional, and it's not like well, it's just lines over her boobs, mm-hmm. you know, like it's actual three dimensional with sh- you know shading and stuff, and um, and the, you know when you see creases, it, it's just um. You know, I understand that when it what it takes to make a comic. Sometimes you're just you can't put insane details into every panel. Oh no, of course. But you need to have them somewhere Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. your your mind, when you're reading it from the perspective of the consumer, when you're looking at it, you're like, okay, so this is what this is going to look like. So now, when I go for the next ten panels, my brain's going to tell me that's what that is, even if it's not there.
1: Exactly, it's like you know, in the old comics, you'd see like. Um, buildings in perspective with, and they were brick buildings and there'd be some brick um, outlines on them, but eventually fade out to nothing. Yeah. Like like we already know we're established that we're on a rooftop and there's buildings around. So the next panel is when we don't see the bricks, we know where we are. It's not like we've gone to a different place. It's already been put in our minds. We don't have to think about it anymore.
0: Yeah. And that's, um, it's such a cool thing with art because some people just, it, it, especially when they do things like backgrounds and, mm-hmm. you, you know, drawing vehicles and stuff sitting there, they, whether it's the person who's doing the, the pencils and inks or if it's the colorist putting in all kinds of crazy details, sometimes it's like, but you can skip some, skip that. Oh, yeah, but I mean
1: it also depends on the aesthetic. Some artists love to put crazy detail in everything. Yeah, yeah. Some people yeah. just like simple, you know, and I, I prefer both. It depends on my mood and what I'm reading
0: it yeah it really is just a style thing i mean you know you have your Walt Simonsons and Bernie Wrights mm-hmm. and you know and then you have people like um Darwin Cook. yeah exactly
1: or Doc Shayner
0: yeah i love the simplicity where they they get what you need to know and then especially with the the cool sort of like um really limited palette mm-hmm. I just love that it sets a, a mood.
1: Like I said, it depends on the kind of story you're trying to tell, you know?
0: Yeah. So um, so that's like cool old, you know, Marvel history and everything. And you, did you do lettering at Marvel? No.
1: Okay. But working with the um, the files, you know, like sometimes I'd have to make corrections for, for people if they were too busy. And I I kind of got an idea of how lettering worked from that, like I saw how everyone did their thing and was like, okay, I I see how, well, where they got to at the end. And that got me interested in learning how to get to that point. So, you know, while I was at Morville, I started like learning about lettering, reading about it and stuff. And um, by the time I left, um, you know, I I got let go in the big layoffs and I was just like, well, I don't want to leave comics yet. I want to learn to do more and stuff. So, um, you know, sitting at home and my wife was like talking with me and everything. I figured, well, I really want to try this lettering thing. So let me go for it. So the rest of 2011, was just spent like learning about it and stuff and teaching myself. And then come 2012, I started just putting it out there, trying to get work. And, you know, I got some stuff here and there, which helped me learn a little more. So that's how the lettering bug bit me. <laughs>
0: Okay, so it was sort of a hands on, had you know, learn learning experience yeah. for you. Okay, because there are more and more uh, types of trainings and workshops and things for for comics mm-hmm. that didn't even exist a few years ago. So I know that um, through Comics Experience, for example, they one of their courses is comic book lettering and production. Yeah,
1: with Dave, right?
0: With Dave Sharp, oh, yeah. Dave,
1: he's a nice guy. Um, you know, I I thought about taking it, but I, I kind of already knew what I was doing, so I was like, "Well, let me let me just go on my own, P- partially because I didn't really have the money at the time."
0: Sure. Well, yeah, and I mean, you and like you said, you you had the basic. Yeah, I kind of yes.
1: knew what I was doing, so I, I you know was kind of learn as you go. Um,
0: and now look at your credits; they're insane. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Actually, one one of the earliest things I got was. Um, Watson and Holmes. And, uh, that's a
0: great book. I really love that book. Yeah,
1: I when when I heard about it like, you know, back in twenty eleven, I was like, this sounds awesome. I can't wait to join the book. Um and yeah, I only got in because uh the editor at the time knew me from Marvel and knew I was interested in lettering. So he kind of like said, Well, do you want to join us? I was like, Okay, let me let me figure out what I'm doing and I'd be happy to join the book. So it was it was nice. I, I was glad that I got to work on some of that. Um, and I got to letter Rick Leonardi, which for one of my first books, it's pretty damn cool. <laughs> and, um, I'm proud to be part of it, even though it was only briefly on that book.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, they, I think they already, they funded like their second volume through Kickstarter and stuff. So, um,
1: yeah, it's exciting. I'm, I'm so happy for them. Like that, I remember when that book was just an idea in, um, their, their, you know, the back of their mind and it became Something everyone seems to love, which is great.
0: Yeah, and um, so how did you, tra- you know, continue the transition? Was it just like you said, uh, like networking? Because like you happen to know a guy who did this, so he. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: you know, like I, I did a couple things here and there. Tried to like jump onto things. Um, and one of my earliest books was this book Destiny's Fate that I just reached out to their art, their writer, and I was like, um, I'm looking for work. I see you don't have a letter yet. Do you want me to like send you some samples or something? And they were like, yeah, sure. Great. And, you know, I jumped in on that. Um, there was a couple other books I did here and there. Um, you know, just to get my, my feet wet. And meanwhile, I just kept like trying to make contacts with people, you know, like, um, I got in touch with all because I, I had never been on Twitter until the, the day after I left Marvel. So, right from there, I was just like, I'm just going to try to see if I can find work. And, you know, not just that, just connect with people. I hadn't talked too much while I was at Marvel. So, um.
0: And this was, but what year was this? Because I know of, um, you know, somebody who didn't quite rebound ever from, uh-huh. uh, from playoffs. And that, but it was a really long time ago. It was
1: 2011 into 2012.
0: Okay. so That's, that's more recent. Yeah. Um.
1: Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it was just a lot of, I did this book, and, you know, these other people saw that, so they started following me, and, you know, and just started, like, making connections with people. Um, and then, like, into the middle of 2012, I ended up taking a, a temp job at a, a manga company doing, like, again, production work and lettering for them. And
0: was it something that you did from home? Or well, at you-
1: first I did, and then they were like, well, one of our people is going to go on maternity leave, and we need someone to, uh, to cover for them. So I applied, and I, I got the job. So I, I was there until around the year Comic Con of that year. And in the meantime, I had also been applying to D.C. because I saw that they had a job up. So you know, in the meantime, I'm applying to them and everything. And as my temp job finished, I get the call that I got the job.
0: Oh wow, <laughs> was, that was thank God
1: because I was afraid of being unemployed again. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So actually, it's funny. I started a year to the day that I got laid off from Marvel at DC, which is kind of cool.
0: That is, and um, so it's the New York
1: yeah it was you know, here in New York still. Um,
0: I guess now they're leaving.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, that's partially why I'm going into my own thing now because uh, I didn't want to go to California. So they gave me the option of leaving and I was like, thank you. and Hope we get to work again soon. Wow. It's, uh, I,
0: I just, um, because I don't really know mm-hmm. all of the, all of the steps, like you know, like these production steps that we we're talking about. Uh, I know so many people who don't live anywhere near the rest of their team that I'm not sure why it's necessary to say, Oh, you have to live in New York or you have to live in Berkeley or whatever. Okay. Um, other, you know, other than if they're, if it's the type of situation where I imagine large continuity books like, you know, the spider verse, or the bat verse, they're constantly probably having meetings mm-hmm. that you need to go to all the time and, and actually sit down with people. But some of the jobs just seem like, yeah, you could why couldn't you do that from Idaho or you Yeah, know? I mean you know,
1: like I know there's people who live out in like Denver or um, you know, Texas and stuff like that who do work for many of the publishers, but you know, sometimes like some people get work because, you know, they're just that good. You know, like it doesn't matter where you live, you're that good. And some people like me more because I'm there and I'm learning from everyone else, you know. Like that—that that was the thing. I got the opportunity to work when I started at DC with um, three other letterers, great guys who taught me a lot. You know, like from from when I started there to maybe just a year later, I look back at my stuff. I'm like, wow, I was working here doing this work. Like I was that bad. <laughs> um, but you know, some people need that. Some people need. To be around others and learning from them and some people just know what they're doing instinctually
0: yeah i like to um i'm more of a hands-on learner so i like to really be taught how to do exactly. something and um that's why classes and things are usually really helpful for me um but let's uh talk about sort of the you know the life experience of being at dc comics it sounds like a dream for a lot of people and other people probably don't want to be anywhere near it but um you know this is one of the biggest companies and uh, you know own part of the whole warner brothers regime so uh was you know was it a very corporate feeling to you or was it fun what was it like it was
1: honestly a lot of fun it was I can probably say without a doubt, it was probably my favorite job in my life. Best experience, you know, I got to work with a lot of great people. Uh, Like I said, I worked with the other letterers. So we were kind of like in a, even though we were in the office, we kind of had our own little studio, like it was just the four of us in one room. And, you know, we got to work together and treat it like a studio. So it was a lot of fun in that sense. Um, Never felt too corporate to me, but maybe because I was just always busy working I don't know. I, I can't say one way or the other, but you know, it was, it was a great experience. And I grew up a DC fan. So for me, it really was a dream come true. Like when I got the job, I believe I jumped up and down. My dog jumped up and down with me and we started dancing around the room.
0: Aww. <laughs>
1: Mostly because my wife wasn't home yet. <laughs>
0: what was your um you know your favorite project or something that you got to work on did you have like a specifically like oh i did this action comics and you know i mean just uh, working on action comics alone is pretty amazing well
1: i mean when i got in i was just like i just want a letter um i did have my couple things i wanted to do at least one issue of you know like the death of the fam in the family story was going on and i wanted to work on a joker story so i got to do that um I got to work on Batman, Detective. You know, I'm a big Batman fan, so <laughs> I got to work on those. Um, what else did I get to do? Um, I got I actually had a bat title that was one of my own, like month to month, which was Red Hood. So that was fun. Um, and it's it's hard to say. I just liked doing stuff. It was always, what's the next thing? Because I want to do more. Um, but, you know, like, when I finally got a couple titles that were my title, was kind of fun. Like, I got Constantine and Suicide Squad and uh, I inherited Vibe, so I got to do the rest, you know, like, most of Vibe, Katana. Like, it was fun, like, just having something that, you know, when I do this book, I know it's my book. It's not just, you know, you're the new guy, so you got whatever we tell you to do.
0: Sure. I It's just um it, at least with uh with comics, you know, because they can they can normally, you know, there's only a few that are sacred cows that are never going to be canceled. Mm-hmm. But the teams change all the time on who's working on them because they just, you know, they they get fresh blood in yeah. to to rework on on the stories and make things new. So is is your work, you know, your work. Um, stamina something like you are okay knowing that things could change tomorrow oh
1: yeah i mean you know like since working in production it's it's always been like you know you, you expect things can come in at any time and things can change and you just deal with it so like i'm used to that and i don't mind because i like working i i'm actually the the worst time for me is when i have nothing to do so like you know like Whenever I have to go on vacation or something, it's like pulling teeth for me because I'm like, don't want to go on vacation. I want to work. Um, so, you know, yeah, like that. that
0: Scott doesn't... Snyder was posting that, too. He said, I have to figure out how to stop thinking it was that? work. Scott oh. Snyder said that. Oh, yeah, no,
1: I, just, I can't help it. I like working. And like it, you know how they say, um, you know, don't get a job because it makes you money. Get a job because it makes you happy. That's what I did. And, like, it really makes me happy to the point that I'd rather be working than, you know, sitting on a beach or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a beautiful thing. That's, I, you know, it's probably why a lot of people dream of getting into things like entertainment. Mm-hmm.
1: It's nice because it's, you know, it's not like I'm responsible for anything major. It's not like, oh, why did you kill Batman? Well, I didn't do anything. I'm just lettering the book. So, you know, it's not like I get all the stress from it, but I get all the fun, you know, like I get to look at the art. I get to, you know, problem solve on the page to get the the page to work right. And I get my name in a book. So there's no real complaints from me.
0: So you don't get the hate mail. <laughs>
1: maybe Maybe it's coming and someone's hiding it. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's it's a lot of fun and i you know i always say to myself like i could be digging a ditch right now so why complain
0: well that's true but you you did have to make you know this big career change with dc leaving new york city mm-hmm. and you're you and your wife are opening this cool new studio and um what kind of work are you going to be doing there? Are you going to be doing the this, this same comic book work or are you looking for different kinds of work?
1: Um, well, I, I want to keep doing comics because I enjoy it, but you know, I'm realistic. I know we have to do expand ourselves, especially because my wife, her degree is also graphic design, but she, you know, doesn't really do much in terms of comics. So like I'm sticking to the comic stuff design things logos things like that and then my wife is doing um you know like invitations and greeting cards and things like that so we're we're kind of pooling our resources together to have a variety of work coming out of us um
0: and does any of this involve multimedia stuff or is it specifically illustration and, and um, does it-
1: it's mostly design and like print things you know um like I'm an okay illustrator if I try really hard. <laughs> I, I haven't really drawn since college. My wife is much better at it than I am, but um, my wife is also a, a teacher, so she's only got so much time in the day. So we try to stick mostly to design work or things like that.
0: So what is the um, the studio? Is it just going to be you, the two of you, or are you going to have um... – you know, like space for other people, what's the plan? Um,
1: Right now, uh, by the way, the, the studio is uh, Ghost Club Studios. Um, Right now, it's just the two of us. You know, we've talked about what would happen if we get busy enough. Uh, I'm not really sure yet. I haven't thought that far out. Right now, it's just, you know, I have an office in the house I'm working out of. And, um, you know, just trying to get a feel for it. You know, we, we just started... And we're just like building up clients now, so it's kind of like we'll see where this goes and how crazy I get, how 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 fast my hair goes gray, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, what um, you know, what convention plans do you have?
1: Well, I stick local, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, I do too. Usually, I don't so. have
1: the time or the funds to go to like, you know, Heroes Con and Emerald Silly, a City, which I really want to go to.
0: Oh yeah, they sound amazing, don't yeah, they?
1: That's the thing. I've got a bunch of friends who call I'm like,
0: "Oh, you gotta come here. You gotta come here." Like,
1: I've got I've got a house and a dog right now. I don't have time for that. But um, I usually do uh, New York. I I'm thinking about doing special edition this year. Um, I've got a dilemma with um, the one that used to be Asbury um, East Coast.
0: East Coast, yeah.
1: And uh, Mocha. Because I think they're the same weekend,
0: and yeah, I want to happens- do both.
1: So I'm kind of like, do I do one one day, one the other? Do I just stick to one? Not sure yet.
0: That happens a lot. Yeah. And uh, and there's – um. actually, that happened with a New York special edition last year. Is there were four other shows the exact same weekend within a reasonable – like within two, two hours of each oh, other. Oh, there's, like, one right outside the city, one in Long Island, one, uh, like, a real indie one down in Brooklyn or something. Like, it was just, like, everything on the same weekend. Um, So I don't know if the smaller shows or whatever are going to – because they have to take their venue when they can get Exactly. It.
1: that's the thing. You, you can only book – you know, we've only got these two weekends in March available, so it's going to be one of these two. Like, oh, all Thank right.
0: You. So sometimes, you know, it just it just happens. Yeah, but um, there's the the Garden State Comic Fest. Yeah,
1: I've been looking at that one, too.
0: So a lot of cool people I know go there, so I'll be there.
1: When is that? Uh,
0: that's in July, I think.
1: I uh, I don't know. Right now, because usually, like I said, I only usually do, like, New York and Mocha. And then, like, last year, I finally went back to Asbury after not going for a couple of years.
0: Yeah, they've sort of had a rough history that that particular show. Yeah,
1: but I, I think it's a good move coming up closer to New York. You know, I hope it is. It's definitely more space. I think.
0: Yeah, part of their problem was their their venues were were never really uh, the best. Oh yeah,
1: I remember going when they had it at the, the bowling alley.
0: <laughs> yeah, I missed that. I missed that one. So actually, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go check this out the next year. I want to see it. It's in a bowling alley, and it wasn't there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but um. I mean, it was a good show. Like I got to talk to people I don't usually meet and stuff, which was nice. Because the thing, I just walk around. Like, I don't see the point in getting a table for myself or anything like that.
0: Okay, I was going to ask you that if if there's um if if you do that if you have a table with it um no
1: not really like you know I, well, what am I going to put out there I have I don't draw and I can't letter from <laughs> the table.
0: You can't letter from the table.
1: No, so it's just like I'd rather just walk around and get to see people and stuff like that.
0: Well, it certainly is a good opportunity at at shows like the, you know, special edition show, which is focused on an Artist Alley environment. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, those smaller shows are are basically made up of that. That's my
1: favorite part of the con anyway. Like usually when I go to New York, it's like I'll walk around the floor for 20 minutes and then I'll just hang out at Artist Alley.
0: Yeah, that's that's my favorite part, too. Um, You know, I maybe on occasion will we'll look at a T-shirt vendor, Mm -hmm. but I don't collect toys or anything like that. Oh, I stopped I, doing that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how people afford. It. I don't know how you have space for it. It's not fun to me if you don't actually play with them. So, um yeah, I I'm like you. I just I like to go to Artist Alley and meet people and talk to people exactly. and you know, their conversations just like this, like tell me about who you are, tell me what you do and, you know, what are you looking for? And that's uh you know, it sounds like you've gotten your job leads that way.
1: Um, somewhat. I mean, you know, like
0: like you like, know people. You didn't just like here's my resume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, uh, first of all, I never saw the point in just going up and handing someone my resume. It's like you know, these people are here partially working, partially seeing old friends. Like I don't want to bug them, so like I'll just go up to someone. If it's someone I've already met, you know, like through a work thing, I'll I'll chat with them a little bit. If it's someone I admire, I'll just go up and say, hey, I love your work and, you know, great job and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's, it's mostly just to get kind of get my mind off of comics, but also, look, you know, check out comics, if that makes any kind of sense.
0: Yeah, it's a different perspective. Well, it's not sitting down and, and dealing with the work mm-hmm. all the time. It's talking about the work or seeing new things. Um, but yeah, I imagine when you're starting out, you kind of have to do the, you know, the whole pitch process. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's for everybody for the most part, unless you're really lucky and it's like, it's like oh, well, I happen to be roommates in college with this person who's now like, you know, the top tier artist, <laughs> you know, I mean, that I mean, happens I mean, to some people, but that's pretty rare.
1: Some of the things I've been, uh, starting to work on now, it's because, you know, like I knew this editor and he's friends with this guy and that guy said he needed a letterer. So, you know, pass, pass names along or, you know, someone saw my work and contacted me and said, are you available? Yeah, no, sure. You know, that kind of thing. But it's become a lot of, you know, never, never discredit something because something might come along from it. You know, like sometimes someone will just contact me randomly on Facebook
0: Hey, I love your yeah. work.
1: At, can you do this book? And, you know, before, you know, I was in D.C., obviously I couldn't because I was staff. Um, but now, you know, like as, as things are winding down, I was like, well, once I leave, you know, talk to me again and we'll see how, how things go.
0: So does this mean that you're not going to be able to work for them even like as a freelancer? Oh, no, I,
1: I probably will at some point, but, you know, I want some time to like do other things, find more work before I, um, I join up with them again. Cause okay. you know, like um, what do you call it? Um, I, I love superhero books. They're my favorite, but I feel sometimes like I need to try other things just to see if I like it or not. You know, like I've never done like a, a kid's book or a cartoony type of thing or a humor thing. So, you know, I just wanted to see if I can try other stuff and see if my skills will adapt. That makes sense.
0: Sure. Well, I noticed that you did have a couple um, of the DC books that were more gothic vampire titles and, you know, and vertigo stuff. So, um, gives you a little, you know, dip your toe in the water. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: you know, the vertigo stuff, Whenever something came along, you know, I would, you know, if I got it, I was like, great, I get to try something new. And that was the nice thing about the, uh, the anthologies, like CMYK. I got to do something totally different. It's like, okay, this isn't a superhero book. This is a, a monster title or a, mon- I'm sorry, a monster story or a ghost story or a revenge story. And it's like, okay, something out of my wheelhouse that I can try and experiment with, you know which is always uh, always nice to do.
0: It is, and I I think it's a really great exercise for uh, people involved in, uh, like, literally every part of the industry, whether you're a reader or a retailer or if you're a writer or an artist. You just need to... um, Try new things because, uh, like, we had customers because I used to go down to Comic Fusion like several times a week, and now I live really far. But, um, like we had customers when I was doing the uh, the filing of all the back issues. They would, they were so brand specific that you couldn't even talk to them about story. You couldn't even say, oh, but these characters. Go through this, and since you like, you know, mm-hmm. you like this story over here in Marvel, these characters over here, um, you know, from IDW, whatever, you know, or if you're really frustrated with that, try this one. They they just were too loyal to the brands that you couldn't get them to open their minds for anything, mm-hmm. and it's a shame if writers and artists end up kind of that way, too. I mean, it's good to draw what you love if you're getting paid, mm-hmm. You know, but if what you need is to go out there and find work, then maybe you need to challenge yourself a bit.
1: (laughs) That's the nice thing about lettering. It's like it's a little easier, I think, to change your style for, you know, projects like, you know, if you're known for drawing like superhero books and it's all you've done all your life, it's probably a lot harder to draw like a creepy monster story, you know. Whereas for me, it's just,
0: yeah, it's probably hard for, um, for the publisher to say, well, can you do that? Well, that's
1: the thing. I mean, usually I think that's what like, things like Vertigo, where when people do their own creator own things, it gives them a chance to stretch out if they want to. But, um, what was I saying?
0: You uh, see that in acting, you know, all the time. Oh yeah, I mean. Somebody will be a comedian then like, you know, like Steve Carell going, you know, I, I haven't seen Foxcatcher, but I, I saw the commercials and I was like, this looks really not funny, guys. Well, yeah. Well,
1: it's like, remember when Jim Carrey was huge and then.
0: Oh, yeah. And then he started getting. What was that movie
1: he did? Um,
0: he did like Truman Show and oh, he did the cable guy thing. Wasn't that super creepy?
1: I never, you know, I never saw cable guy. Uh, no, I was thinking more. Um, was that one with the big title where he's like in has amnesia or something?
0: Amnesia. I don't know. I, I don't
1: remember I, the title, but like, it, it was uh, way dr- more dramatic than like, you know, Ace Ventura or something like that. I think he was funny in moments, but it was mostly like a very serious kind of movie.
0: Oh uh, yeah, it was probably like the Truman Show or something, where um, he didn't know that his life yeah, was actually a. TV show. And shows. It,
1: just, it just becomes like, well, that that's cool to see someone do something different, you know? Like, yeah,
0: it's nice like, to have range.
1: Like, um, I'm trying to think, what's one of my favorite actors who's done that? Um,
0: well, Tom Hanks has been brilliant oh, at it. Sean Penn. Tom, Tom
1: Hanks is great in almost everything. Like, you know, I yeah. can watch Turner and Hooch and like laugh myself silly, or watch. My favorite. I'm sorry.
0: One of my favorites. I love that you movie. You know what's
1: funny? I only caught that movie maybe a couple of years ago on like a Saturday because I'd never seen, you know, there's a lot of stuff from when I was a kid. It's
0: goofy. It's just, it's goofy fun. Another thing, it's
1: just a fun movie or, um, oh, what's the one? Uh, Dragnet. When he did Dragmat. Oh yeah. That,
0: that was, yeah. And you know, one of those purpose, purposely cheesy.
1: But it's things. funny because at the same time, it's also tied to the show, which is very serious right you know, the comic, it's like okay sure i'll I'll go with this um but yeah no it's it's nice to see people try something different because sometimes they'll really surprise you you know like who would have thought that some like teen heart drop who did uh 10 things i hate about you and a Night's tale would end up being like one of the greatest comic book villains ever
0: yeah and you know and of course you know the the drama of broke back mountain
1: well i mean that, again, yeah, I should have probably mentioned that movie. He's a better movie. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Oh.
0: Yeah, but yeah, he's Ledger. Yeah, again, like, you know, a, a lot of them, I think, when they start out young, you don't really have many options other oh, yeah. than. No,
1: I mean, like, here's another example Joseph Gordon Levitt, whoever thought he would be as great yeah. an actor as he is.
0: Yeah, love him so much. I
1: mean, like, you know, I went into Inception knowing him from, like, Third Rock from The Sun and all this stuff. I'm like, this kid, he's going to look foolish around all these great actors. And he ended up being one of my favorite roles in that movie.
0: And he's, um, he's just like, so accomplished. Like, you know, going after projects, he like really specifically wants and, and he's making sure that, uh, you know, that movies, um, like he came out as, you know, talking about feminism and and things like Mm -hmm. that quite a while ago. So it's, um, you know, he's not just memorizing lines and standing by a camera. Like he's very oh, no, he, serious. The whole craft of everything. You can tell he
1: cares about what he's doing. He's not phoning it in, you know. So it's it's um I know it's nice to see things like that and it's kinda like what, what I think about. It's like, well, yeah, everyone knows I can do this, but I want to do this now, you know, like there, there's this thing um on Facebook I've been a part of. It's called the prompt. Um, They actually have a Tumblr with all the work that's been done. And basically, we're given a challenge. You know, you have one page to do a story on the theme of X, Y, and Z. Or reinterpret this, you know, a a classic page that you like or something like that. So it's like, all right, now I have one page to get across whatever, you know, this whole concept is. And, you know, like with the first one I did, it was about the concept of coming home. So I did one that was about a guy uh, who leaves his dog home all day while he goes to work and he comes back to him. There's another one that was like like a golden age comic about some female adventurer. And then at the end, you find out that she's now bedridden and it's like done in the modern style. So, you know, it's nice to try to do things different and really stretch out from what you've done before.
0: So what what um, type of work are you doing when you're you're part of this group? Are you because you said that you hate? You yeah, know. I've just
1: been lettering, like you know, like it, it, this group has everybody has artists, writers, colorists, everything. Okay,
0: so everything. Yeah, so
1: I I've just been there as like, all right, you want me to letter your story? Let, you know, tell me what it is, and let me see if I'm interested in trying to do it. You know, um, but it, it's it's fun because you know, like I did for the first challenge, I did three different stories, and they were. All very different, you know. But I, I'd like to think I did them all well. You know, that remains to be seen.
0: <laughs> now, are these things that people are going to ever see, or are these just practice exercises? Well, the
1: um, the guy who organized did uh, another letter by the name of uh, Nick Shaw. He he's running a Tumblr for it. Like you know, we do everything on Facebook, like contact each other, everything. And okay. then after the challenge is over, he posts them all to the to the prompt Tumblr. Okay. Um. So it's cool because you get to see what you know people are doing and how they interpret different things.
0: Okay. Um. I love uh the Comic twart blog. I don't even know if they're still like actively running that. Um, but they would do a similar thing where they would pick like uh, not exactly a theme but they would pick a character, mm-hmm. and then all of the there was like fifteen artists I think, um, would post their version of the character. Um, and a lot of them all have the, a a very pulp feel to mm-hmm. them, but um, but even so, you get to really learn, you know, um, the style of a particular artist. You know, like when you go to a museum and you you can point out, oh, well, that's a Monet. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've when you've stared at certain works by by particular comic artists, you you know you can do the same thing, and even if it's just a pinup.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like sometimes I'll just look at someone's work and I'm like, that was, you know, this letter or that letter. And then some people are kind of like, how do you know? It's like the little things, you know, how they do their sound effects, how they do their tails. Um, I like doing that with fonts, though. Like sometimes someone will show me a font like "Uh, that's, you know, comic craft or whatever.
0: Yeah, like you, you know a blam bot. Well, fog. that's the thing.
1: Once you stare at them long enough, you can't forget them.
0: No. So at this point, you have worked for some of the biggest companies in comics. Yeah. And uh, and you've worked for indie comic makers who, um, you know, have a really different process as, as far as putting, you know, getting their books seen by people. So throughout all of this time, How have you defined success? Like, have you made it? Now you have your own business and everything. Is this what success is or was success like, you know, just breaking in in the first place? It's hard to say. I I never,
1: it's weird because like, you know, when I was a kid, it was always about, you know, having the best grades and all this stuff. And now it's kind of like, I just want to do what I like. Like, I don't care about success as much as I care about just enjoying myself and, you know. Making money to support my wife and my my dog, so it's kind of become like a whole thing of, you know, I I've already worked at Marvel, I've already worked at DC, I've already lettered a book like I said I wanted to, I've worked on Batman, like I, I've done all the little things I want to do, so I'm like, whatever, now I just want to work, you know, <laughs> like it, it doesn't matter, like you know, I, I tell my wife like if if tomorrow I don't get any more work in comics. I'm okay with that. You know, I got to just go get a, a nine to five job and just keep doing that for the next 20 years, whatever. It's it's all good.
0: You've had a pretty amazing career so far. So oh, thank you. you know, I, you know, I, I think it's definitely like a, a respectable resume as, as somebody in HR might say, um, So does the dog get to sit there with you while you're working? Sometimes
1: he's, um he can be a pain. Sometimes he's a, a pit bull.
0: Okay. And, um, Is he a little energetic young.
1: Um, he's about three now, so he's starting to slow down, but every once in a while he'll get an idea in his head and, you know, <laughs> there's no way to stop him. Like, uh, if we ever give him a, a toy, He doesn't play with it like a normal dog, you know, like, oh, here, fetch or or all this stuff. He'll just sit there and just start chewing at it until he breaks it into, like, 100 pieces. (laughs) So it's kind of like I don't want to leave him alone with stuff like that sometimes because I'm afraid he'll, like, you know, rip it apart and choke or something. So most of the time it's like here's a a little treat or something or I'll I'll just play with him while I'm working because otherwise he's, you know, he's just a little scamp and just does whatever he wants. Right now he's sleeping.
0: Luckily, I was talking to Eric Grissom about, um, you know, because he he says that he hates to leave his house. He just likes to stay home and work, and then see his family. And I can completely relate. Uh, there's times when I when I really feel the need, like, oh my god, I have I really have to leave the house. I really have this urge to actually see people in person. Okay. Um, but I, if I'm really concentrating on something, I'm perfectly fine being at my desk with the cat curled up sleeping here Mm -hmm. and uh, and that feels like my my safest place my happy place and um you know so it's when you have the opportunities like even you know people who run their own offices or something if they can bring their own dog into the office that just sounds like the coolest thing like sometimes i'll just you know
1: he'll he'll be in here and i'll get up to like sit on my feet just to keep me warm and you know i'll just play with him while he's down there rub his belly or something like that and in the meantime i get to still work and be home that was the thing i hate uh, like the one thing i didn't like about you know working in the city was it's about an hour commute each way and it's like that that just kills my energy in my day you know like
0: yes i completely relate like in the morning it
1: wasn't so bad i'd, I'd sleep on the bus i'd get into the city and I'd get to work and it was always great but then that ride back where it's like It's cold it's dark I don't want to know about traffic or anything and it's just like you know you get home it's like you got a little time to eat with my wife maybe unwind a little bit I try to give the dog like you know a walk or something or some attention and then it's like well there goes my day it's all over yeah I I'm sorry
0: I completely understand all of that now,
1: now it's like well I'm home with him so if if I get my work done early I'll go and like, you know, play with him or take him outside for a little walk or something. And it's nice, you know, it's not it's not the same old routine every day. So it's uh it's a nice little break. Just just see if I can keep myself, you know, on task enough to get that stuff done. <laughs>
0: That's good. He's and he's you know, he's a good healthy dog. It's not like you have to Oh
1: no, no, he
0: attend he, to him. Actually yeah.
1: it's funny, um, when, you know, we took him to get it uh, fixed and the dentist was, uh, the vet was like, while he's on there, because we don't like putting the dog to sleep too many times, we'll check his teeth and we'll pull any bad teeth that he has. Like, okay, that sounds reasonable. So when I, I go to pick him up the next day, the vet says, oh, his teeth are perfect. You, you know, he's fine. And for a split second, I had a thought in my mind, like, oh, poor guy. He's like, he's like the perfect specimen. He would make such cute puppies. I was like, what? and now you But then it'd be a whole other, you know, drama of like keeping him busy and and dealing with their excess energy. So I was like, "Eh, it's okay. He can just be mine."
0: Yeah, there's there's plenty of uh pets and shelters. E- exactly.
1: That's the other thing, too. You know, like we we got him from a litter that wasn't supposed to happen. Like the the dogs were supposed to be fixed and it was the day before they had their appointments.
0: Whoops. Yeah. So like, All right, I guess
1: we've got puppies now. But uh but yeah, that's why we took care of that right away. We were like no need to make him crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good and responsible. I think there's like there's always um uh like spay and neuter days around the towns. Mm-hmm. And- to bring awareness to, to the importance of that. My cat my cat is a shelter cat, so she's the best thing ever. Yeah,
1: it, honestly, if it wasn't for that, we probably would have gone with the shelter cat. Uh, shelter dog, I'm sorry, my, my wife's alert to cats. Aww. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for for that, we definitely would have gone to a shelter, picked up a pet. But, you know, he was there and my wife saw him and he looked at her and she's like, We have to take him. I was like, okay.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. So are there any parting words of of wisdom for people that are interested in lettering or just um, trying to figure out where in the comics industry they might be interested? Like, what do you have to say? I mean,
1: you know, try and do what you want. You know, don't discredit something because it's hard, like I did with drawing. But um, in all seriousness, uh, you know, like, figure out what you want to do and give it a shot. You know, like when I started, I was... I gave a serious consideration to coloring and I gave it a shot and I realized I was terrible at it. And I was like, well, this isn't for me and it's fine. And, you know, like with the lettering, you know, I thought I was in a good place. And then when I got to the to the big place, the big leagues, I was like, okay, I'm not so good, but I'm learning. It's fine. So, you know, just really stick at it and don't be afraid to like go out there and look for the information or, or advice, you know, like. When when I was getting started, I, you know, some people said, you know, it's hard to be a letterer. There's only so many jobs to go around and, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, give it a shot. See how how you feel about it because maybe you'll be good. Maybe you can do it. Maybe, you know, you'll you'll do it and realize it's not for you. It's not the kind of um, grind you want on a daily basis because that's the thing, like, Sometimes you'll be working into the middle of the night because the book has to go out and you have to do your job. And sometimes it's we've got months for this, so take your take your time on it. But um, yeah, def- definitely get out there and learn, you know figure out what you like about it. Because I when I was a kid, I never thought I would be making comics. I was like, oh, that, that's something for people with talent. I don't I don't have that. And now I'm making comics.
0: It's a cool feeling. Honestly, it's
1: a lot of fun. I I still get a kick out of opening a book and seeing my name on it.
0: I, I know a lot of writers end up going, uh, taking on lettering so that because we're poor and do don't I can't pay a professional letterer so they end up learning how to do it and I have so many friends who have done that, I'm like it just looks too hard like I mean drawing in particular is is, is hard and then I, I see the lettering and I'm like uh oh, just because I've seen bad lettering that I can't read yeah if I have to zoom into 200 percent then I don't like your lettering I mean
1: here's the thing too it's like You know, maybe you're not good at it, but it's always a good idea to do it anyway.
0: Yeah, I could probably learn, and at least then I'd be able to talk to people. Well, not even that, honestly.
1: Sometimes I think a lot of the cases are that, you know, you'll write something, and when you have it in a Word document, you really don't think about how big it's going to look on a page. So it's a good idea to get an idea of, like, how much you're saying and how much you need to say. That's what I hear from a lot of people who are writer-letterers. They're like you know, I realized I'm writing too much or I'm over explaining things. And also just a, a matter of like, all right, you know, that your artist is doing so much space, give them space to breathe. You know, like you, if you're writing this big whole thing and you know that they like to draw in a lot of detail, they, you know, find that balance. It's, it's it basically it's just good to learn how what you're doing impacts the other part of the team. If that makes sense.
0: That makes total sense.
1: I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not very eloquent.
0: Oh, no, that makes total sense. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's a good, a good advice. And like you said, um, also figure out what you like. I mean, that's, that's a really important part of it. You certainly don't want to be miserable, if, uh, especially if it's not your full-time job yet. I mean, a lot of us have, uh, you know, have full-time jobs that we end up hating, oh, but, you trust know, me, I know, so, um, you know, I've had plenty of those. So it's, if, you know, if you have the opportunities to test out different things and see what it is that you like, I think that's, a, you know, an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. All right. Taylor, where can people find out about your studio and about you and how to hire you and stuff?
1: All right. So for me personally, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, but I guess no one's using that anymore, uh, and Tumblr. You can find me all on those at Taylor Espo. Um, fortunately, Taylor Esposito was taken. <laughs> uh, my website's tayloresposito.com. And if you're looking for the studio, it's Ghost Glyph Studios. So uh, on Twitter, it's at Ghost Glyphs. Sorry, at Ghost Glyphs. On Facebook, it's Ghost Glyph Studios. And the website is GhostGlyphStudios.com. And all our contact information's on there. So if you want to hire us? Just shoot me or my, uh, my wife Nicole an email and, We'll get back to you.
0: Okay. And, you know, and it's stuff that can be done remotely. They don't need to live in North Jersey. No, no. I mean,
1: a lot of the stuff my wife uh, will be doing, you know, will probably take on local clients because, you know, it's just easier to deal with them as far as, like, invitations and things like that. But that's not to say we can't do it for you if you're, you know, in California or whatever. So we'd be happy to work on it with you.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. Well, thank you for spending the time here at Vodka O'clock. I appreciate it. No problem. I
1: love listening to your show, and I'm glad I got to be on finally.
0: All right, and you know, and we've got some you know good local conventions here, so hopefully, you know, we'll actually be able to actually meet like real humans in person. One of these I don't days, know. Right. If, One of these days. If I'm not
1: a hermit, I, I guess I should probably uh, shave and all that stuff at some point, right? <laughs>
0: not on my account well
1: just in general you know
0: in general how how people feel
1: they saw a giant shaggy man
0: walking by (laughs) I know I know these debates I'm like oh I have to go to the post office today do I really have to like put on real people clothes can I just go oh yeah it's it's
1: a slippery slope I've been taking my wife to work lately because of the snow and I'm like do I have to wear pants pants can I just get by with these sweats (laughs) and she's like pretty soon you're going to go to the supermarket in a robe and and Jelly's <laughs> like the dude I'm like maybe I will
0: that's right you know I, I yeah it's hard to have the dignity when you, when you like being comfortable but
1: that's the thing that's one of the best things about you know working from home it's like oh I'm so comfortable right now I don't have to wear a college shirt
0: yeah oh cool alright well I'll, I'll clean up a bit for conventions usually I'll see you there Sounds good guys you can of course uh, check out the show notes at amberunmasked.com, and if you are interested in supporting the show don't forget to go to patreon.com slash amber and um be sure to follow taylor esposito on all of those networks and learn about ghost Blitz studios cheers